Hello, welcome to ABC Gotham, your podcast about interesting, weird New York City history. I am Kathleen, your host. With me is Kate. Hi. Hello, Kate. Hello, Kathleen. We bring you historical topics about New York City according to the alphabet. We have already done A, B, C, and D, which brings us to E. And what is our topic today, Kate? Our topic for today is Evelyn Nesbitt and the Mm -hmm. trial of the century, which I actually, my research turned up as it kind of being, as it being the first trial of the century. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's where the term came from. But it was in the same century as O.J. Simpson, was it not? It was. Mm. Uh, the, the difference, I there's a, a little bit of a difference in trial of the century, which definitely O.J. Simpson was trial of the century. Mm-hmm. later on it's they kind of mirror each other in terms of the crazy amount of publicity and mm-hmm. the circus surrounding the trial i at first i really thought was going for crime of the century mm-hmm. but it it's not the first it's not the first crime of the century and Mm-mm. it's it's not really the crime that's the big draw here it's the actual trial but the crime's pretty right. bad too Right, right. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, like, why Why is it not the murder of the century? Why is it not the the doomed love triangle of the century? Why is it not the, the, the bad thing of the century? Like, you know, that they chose to focus on the trial. I guess because maybe it was the first, like, really big media sensation. Western Union set up special offices just to handle the flow of nudes about this case. Like, everyone nationwide, these were all really, well, at least two of them were really famous people that were almost Mm -hmm. household names between Evelyn Nesbitt and Stanford White. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Harry Kathon may have been a name known as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. His dad, you know, he's incredibly wealthy. He's the son of a railroad and coal baron. Uh, so, you know, you've got all of a sudden all these really big names involved mm-hmm. that everybody mm-hmm. knows. And I think that's probably why it was so famous. So, so right now it is 2012 and they aren't as big names. So let's first tell our listeners just what the situation was, what the trial was, who these players are, who are we talking about today? Well, since our topic is... Evelyn Nesbitt before Trial of the Century. We'll go into a Mm -hmm. little bit about her history. Mm -hmm. She's from a really small town outside of Pittsburgh called Tarentum. I'm really sorry Mm -hmm. if I'm mispronouncing it. She's born on Christmas Day in 19... I'm sorry, 1884. 1884? Okay. In 1884. uh, she, She has a mother and a brother and her father, and they seem to be... Stable family. Um, he's he's kind of a struggling lawyer. He mm. dies when she's pretty young, and then it's just the mom and her two kids, and there's just no money, which I think is how Evelyn really gets into the scene she ends up in, just mm-hmm. out of necessity of having to work at a young age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you t- if you look up pictures of her, she's re- she really is very beautiful. Uh, definitely, yes. And we'll pro- we'll definitely have. At this point, when you're listening to this, you'll see a picture on our homepage of her. Mm-hmm. 
really beautiful. They start noticing it when she's really young. Uh, mm. She starts, I believe, in, I think when she's like 13, 14, she starts modeling for artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of local artists. She and her mom eventually move to New York City. And mm. her mother finds a difficult time getting work. So Evelyn lets her mom, just goes to her mom and says, hey, you know, I made money doing this before. So she mm-hmm. starts modeling again mm-hmm. for some famous artists such as James Carroll Beckwith, Herbert mm. Morgan. And are, I mean, those, those names don't ring a bell to me. Are there, are there things I would know of theirs? Um, well, they're, I mean, I went to art school, so I had my art history <laughs> classes. But the big name you'll probably know is Charles Dana Gibson. Charles Dana Gibson. Go on. He draws her. He is the one that invents the Gibson girl, mm-hmm. which it becomes like the national standard for beauty. It's kind of the first national standard for beauty in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she is the it girl for a while. He does a really famous portrait of her, which you can still find. You can look up. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's called The Question. And mm. it's a really beautiful drawing of her. That's, it's huge. She just, be- that's when her fame really explodes. She becomes a chorus girl on Broadway mm-hmm. at 16. Mm-hmm. Vaudeville's really big at the time. Mm-hmm. And right around when she's 15 or 16 is where she meets one of our other major players, Stanford White. Stanford White. Okay, so so what we've got here is this this kid basically. She's been just swept up in in this fast glamorous world, but her mom needed the money, so she's going to do this work. She is a dancer and singer. Um, and yeah, it girl. It, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say the first it girl, if such a thing does did exist back then. I I I'm not sure I'd say the first it girl, but definitely. One of the first It Girls. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she was a, a turn of the century, I will say, It Girl. Right. All right, go on. So when she's about 16, she meets Stanford White, who is mm-hmm. a really famous architect. Like, you can't look around New York without seeing his work. But he's 47 at the time mm-hmm. that they meet, and he really has a thing for young, innocent, virginal women, girls, really, and kind of woos her. Uh, He Mm -hmm. sees her on the stage, you know, really goes after her. She spends a night at his place in which she gets pretty drunk and Mm -hmm. wakes up either as or just after he's had sex with her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is an important thing to, this story is, is important to remember later, uh, just the, mm-hmm. him taking her home and having his way with her and her just not really consenting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she, she does always say that he's the only man she ever loved. That's interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to figure that out and look at that. Um, cause yeah, it's. I was going to, before you started talking about this part, I was going to think about warning the listening audience, oh, this is the creepy part. But then I thought, no, there's a couple of creepy parts in this story. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's this glamorous crime, but you got to bear in mind, like, some of this shit shouldn't have happened in the first place. But it's a little like, I digress. Exactly. <laughs> Very nice. 
it's uh it's a little there's a lot of creepy stuff and there's a lot of her at too young of an age being thrown into this environment and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not really having a parent to be there to protect her daughter mm-hmm. with seven, I mean really that's not the creepiest thing we've got a lot more stuff that's going to happen yeah a lot of creep in store for you tonight folks yeah or whatever time of day you are listening to this podcast exactly hopefully maybe it's mm-hmm. over your morning coffee <laughs> So, yeah, they, they kind of carry on for a while, though, uh, mm-hmm. at least a year. But he stays in her life for a really long time. And like, he's married, almost needless to say, right? Needless to say. She really doesn't come up very much, though. I uh, see. Uh, yeah, she really, it's, he has so many affairs. I, his, his wife's almost... A side note. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he obviously he had an entire loft apartment that was pretty much just set up for these kind of things. Mm. It was actually just above where the old FAO Schwartz used to be mm. on 24th Street. Yeah, I, I did a walking tour of old Chelsea once. I mean, we were in really? modern Chelsea, but the woman talked about old Chelsea. And it was... 6th Avenue and 24th Street, where there's now a bagel pizza place and a eyebrow threading salon. Hmm. Um, but the second floor of that was this was the site of uh, Stanford White's um, seduction slash seduction. taking advantage of Evelyn Nesbitt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a little, he's kind of weird. He's kind of the creepy old guy. I, he's definitely mm-hmm. like 30 years older than her. Uh, you know, it's famous. You know, he had this red velvet swing set up. Oh, the red velvet swing. Exactly. Where he loved to let these young, innocent, virginal women uh, swing naked uh, for a time. Uh, Sometimes Mm -hmm. he'd give them expensive jewelry and they'd wear the jewelry and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What an unusual fetish. I mean, you know, I... Whatever, you know, do whatever you like as long as everyone consents and you're not out on the street. You don't scare the horses. But, like, he, he, yeah, he liked young girls to swing on this swing that he had in his house. And by the way, I would love to have a swing in my house and, and just, just because I like swings. But, um, he would have them do that. He would stand under the swing and, you know, if they happen to be clothed, he'd look under their skirts and, he liked for them to kick at paper umbrellas. Did you find this? I did. Detail? That's that's a little. That's putting a whole new spin on their fetish. His fetish. I was just uh-huh. like, paper, really? Just just to have parasols, like paper parasols, kind of suspended from the ceiling, and you know, be something to aim for. You'd try to kick a hole into the paper umbrellas, and he had a whole supply of paper umbrellas. Uh, it just seems like a lot of trouble to go through. I I mean, I guess you have your fetish and you got to... Yeah. Whatever triggers your dopamine and good for you that you're so rich that, that you have your pied a terre with your mistress and you know, <laughs> you're swinging and you af- your umbrellas. Cool. And you can afford okay. all the paper umbrellas you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well... Yeah, it's it's a little weird. She talks about the affair later, and she says these nude escapades were for mm. a, simply aesthetic. Like, he would just look at her mm. naked on the swing. Well, but there's so many stories just that she tells 
mm-hmm. you know, whether at what point in her life, whether it's during the trial or later as to what mm-hmm. really went on. I see. I kind of believe the stories she tells pretty early on, which is kind of what I'm telling, which is what I'm telling now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this affair with Stanford White, eventually, of course, she's a little old for him. Mm. Uh, she turned 17. <laughs> he definitely is that how quickly? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, you know, you're not a virgin anymore, so I'm going to move mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm, yeah. She... So she just decides she's got to find somebody else. Uh, he mm. he stays in her life, and I do think they continue having an affair, but he's looking around for someone younger. He's um, planning to cheat on the person he's cheating on his wife with, and he's probably exactly. cheating on a few other people by cheating. He definitely, he keeps definitely. paying for things. Like, he pays for her to go to Europe at some point. Like, you know, he gives her money. Mm. Um, at some point when she does meet Harry, thought... He doesn't want her to be with him, so he actually sends her away to. He pays to send her away to boarding school. Wow, boarding so, school. Yeah, he <laughs> he definitely stays in her life and is close with her mother, which is even creepier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she has several affairs. Uh, she has an affair with the famous John Barrymore. Mm, John Barrymore, yes. Who's much more her age. He's 19 while she's 17. And it okay. sounds really serious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, her mom and Stanford White, though, don't like John Barrymore. Oh, a- And really? I think White kind of pressures the mom to pressure her daughter to a point when John Barrymore actually proposes to her. Mm. She turns him down. Hmm. Which is very sad. Did it say why they didn't like John Barrymore? Other than he's not incredibly wealthy, like the other men interested in her? Uh, you know, I actually don't know why. Yeah. I think it's just, it was the first, maybe her age. She did used to stay over at Barrymore's apartment. Mm. I, I, I don't know why they were upset. Uh, mm-hmm, I think it's mm-hmm. mostly Stanford White gets upset, and then he gets her mom upset. I and see, he's Stanford White's still kind of her patron, I guess, and okay. maybe that's what her mom convinced herself hmm. that he was. Okay. But she break she breaks up with him, which is sad because mm-hmm. her life could have gone in a totally different direction. Yeah, but then she wouldn't be famous, and we wouldn't be talking about her right now. Exactly. She she mm-hmm. dates. She does seriously date a few other people: a famous polo player, a famous publisher. Mm-hmm. They start to get a little older, though. Uh, mm-hmm. And then in steps Harry Thaw. Harry Thaw, literally T H A W, right? Yeah, exactly. What a weird name! Like that's not Polish or German or anything. That's just it's weird. And I'm yeah, mm-hmm. he's definitely the creepiest guy she dates because even though White is so much older than her and kind of possessive, he kind of dictates what happens in her life for a period of time. Mm-hmm. He's not. As violent and jealous and sadistic a person as Harry Thaw ends up being. Mm, Harry Thaw. Mm-hmm. He's, he's definitely possessive. He carries around a pistol all the time. Oh, boy. Uh, and tells Evelyn about it. <laughs> and he does that because he's jealous. He doesn't like the role Stanford White plays in her life and calls I have to admit if I were her boyfriend or husband I would also not like the role Stanford White any role Stanford White plays in her life true he's a cocaine addict though 
Harry thought. Mm-hmm. And he's famously oh, a sadist where he he apparently dated other chorus girls, which is how he met her as he saw her on stage. Mm-hmm. He would horsewhip the girls that mm. he's with, including Evelyn, to the point where their backs would be bleeding. <sighs> wow. Yeah, it's pretty bad. He's yeah. a bit older than her. He's 34 to her 20 when they get married in 1905. Mm. And she marries him. This is she... the one she chooses to marry. He's the one I I pledge my future to. Oh, boy. He's. I think she does it kind of to get away, to get from under her mother and Stanford White. I see. But mm. it's a wrong rebellion. You should pick, uh-huh. your, pick your battles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, at, at some point, Thaw takes her and her mother to Europe, mm-hmm. and the mother leaves at some point. She just can't stand him. And this mm. is when he really, he beats her really badly mm. uh, while they're gone. She has several bouts, once actually with John Barrymore, and once before she's married to Thaw, where she has a cases of acute appendicitis, which at the time was an abortion. I see. I so see. she definitely aborted, well, I'm not saying definite. There's no, I don't have anything that says it was de- there was an abortion, but that's what it was believed. Even her grandson, her grandson, her grand, yes, sorry, her grandson believes that she had a few abortions and mm-hmm. one was, one would have been John Barrymore's and one would have been Harry Thaw's before they were married. Mm-hmm. And wow. it's this time she has appendicitis when they're in Europe um, that he beats her so badly. But they're married. Um, they actually <laughs> and you could do. do that back then when you were married. Beating your wife was not a crime. Exactly. He's so rich. He can really cover anything up. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, but they do come back to New York. Mm-hmm. And around this time, oh, before they were getting married, she kept turning him down. He proposed several times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the story she kept, the story she finally told him on why she couldn't marry him was the story I told you, which is that she's not pure. She had this, you know, her virginity was taken from her and tells him Mm -hmm. the story of Stanford White and Mm -hmm. how she woke up and she kind of spins it as rape. And Harry Thaw is just incensed, just kind of flies off the handle. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again... And not to defend the the craziest person in this in this particular threesome, but if my spouse had been taken advantage of by someone, I would also be extremely upset about that. Yeah, I would too. But I'm not sure I'd go as crazy as. Harry yeah, thought. yeah, I don't. Th- I I probably wouldn't go this crazy either. Yeah. Uh, they so at some point they do. She does have a child, and she mm-hmm. says it's Harry Thaw's. The only problem is that it's conceived and delivered while he's in prison. Mm. So he never acknowledges this child ever. But she says it's his. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have no idea. Wait, why is he in prison, Kate? You skipped over the best part. Hmm, I know. That's why I thought we could swing back now. I see. Okay. So well, in terms of the children... She this did have a kid. I figured, I figured I'd be, you know, so many abortions, it's very sad. And then mm. she has a kid. Yay. Yay. But this is mm. the sad part, guys. On June 25th, 1906, 
The couple see Stanford White at a restaurant and then later at Madison Square Garden. They kind mm-hmm. of see him a couple times in the night, and by the second time in the night, Harry Thaw is just either he's been, he's had too much cocaine, he's been drinking too much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually famous. Uh, they're putting on this show called Mamselle Champagne, and mm-hmm. this song, which I've heard a million times, which is I Could Love a Million Girls. Which mm-hmm. I think they were singing for Stanford White. Ah. Um, some of the research I had said it was like his favorite song. <laughs> uh, Thaw comes right up to Stanford White's and shoots him in the face, oh. saying, You'll never go out with that woman again. Uh, he also says, while he's standing over him, there's, there's two different stories. One says, He says, You ruined my life. And some people life. says, You ruined my wife. You ruined my wife. Right. Oh. Uh, as, as they're, then he just like kind of walks away oh. and goes to meet Nesbitt, uh, is standing, I think by the door or the elevator and he c- comes over and she says, what did you do? And he's like, I saved you. So that's the murder in the middle of all these people. This is in public. This is a, a, a fancy restaurant. I think it's in. Oh, this is at Madison Square Stanford Garden. White designed. Yeah, I think he designed the that original. building. Of course, Madison Square Garden in 1909 is not the Madison Square Garden you're thinking of today. Um, it was actually beautiful. What was it? Was it a, a, a theater? What was it? It was a theater. Okay. Okay. It was a theater. It had a restaurant on top, and they're at that restaurant. And right. He shoots him in the face. Shoots him in the face. Away. This is the pistol that he carries around because he's so jealous and possessive. Mm. So now and we... Stanford White is famous, rightly, for his architecture. I mean, he's he's a genius. He's got some very important important work out there. Mead McKimmon White is the. Uh, was his company, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was the white, the Stanford white. And uh, uh, so now now he's been shot in the face. Okay, anyway. So Harry walks away. Harry walks away. And which is amazing because I feel like, why didn't people just like grab out for him? Well, I guess it depends on if he dropped the gun or not. I guess. So he's arrested and two trials ensue. Mm-hmm. Each more amazing than the last. <laughs> well, why two trials, first of all? The first trial, they can't come to a decision. It's a hung jury. They they are not able to convict him. They're not able to let him go. Mm-hmm. It's a wash. And because Even the first... Even though it's like, guy is surrounded by hundreds of witnesses. Guy shoots other guy in the face. Guy walks away and says, yep, I just did that. Where's the ambiguity? It's really the beginning of the insanity plea. The insanity plea. Ah, it's been used before. It's been. This is not the first time, but Mm -hmm. it's really becoming a tool for defense Mm -hmm. attorneys Mm -hmm. at this Mm -hmm. point. And really, this guy is crazy. Totally, totally. But they're saying he was only. Read up on this guy. He's he's unbalanced before he marries her. He's unbalanced while they're married. He's yeah. He's not. He's not a healthy guy to start with. He's not. And with the drug addiction, like, it just... Mm -hmm. Plus, he's probably coddled his entire life being a very wealthy child. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I haven't I haven't really brought her up yet, but his mother is in everything. She mm. really is the one who pushes Evelyn to marry Harry in the first place. She says, mm. "It'll settle my son down." Oh, here, fix him. <laughs> it'll yeah. This is this is the only way. You need to marry my son so that it'll settle him down. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. You got all these mothers that are very strange in this story. Yeah. Uh, um, it's so funny that she tries to sell the sell Evelyn Nesbitt the idea of marriage to her son by explaining how it will benefit her son. Exactly. It's it's. It's very strange. And I would have been like, maybe your son needs help and it's not mm-hmm. my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's actually in the media. She's um, referred to as Mother Thaw. Mother Thaw. So after the first jury was deadlocked, mm-hmm. this in the second one, they decide, well, we need to get Evelyn on to ah, testify. Testify, mm-hmm. Evelyn really wants nothing to do with Harry or his mother anymore. Mm. But Mother Thaw says, I will give you a really quiet divorce and a million mm-hmm. dollar divorce settlement if you testify that my son was temporarily insane and you have to give all the details of your affair with Stanford White. Mm. And she does. It really is juicy. This is where the media starts to eat it up. She mm-hmm, talks about mm-hmm. the Velvet Swing, about the, you know, all of his little, all of Stanford White's fetishes. Fetishes. Yeah. Mm. It, it gets juicy. Uh, there's actually some things that are, oh, yeah, that's it. The president at the time mm-hmm. asks the postmaster general to forbid news account of the mail because it's so steamy. Mm-hmm. The lovers' liaisons that mm-hmm. the press it just can't be it shouldn't be covered. This filth shouldn't be in the newspapers. Apparently, I'll try to keep it out. <laughs> yeah, good luck. It's called well, this, this, like you're saying. This is why Western Union got so overloaded. Is people wanted to hear everything. She's called Letty Lolita. Letty Lolita. I don't really get the Letty part, but this story. I've I've got quotes that say the story was copied catnip. It was massive mm-hmm. and unrelenting character assassination. They really dragged Stanford White through the mud. This poor guy um, who's yeah. dead mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really just trashed. And that's and it's not really relevant. You know, that or all these salacious details are totally not relevant to the case, but I imagine just that judge sitting there thinking, I really want to hear this, and everyone else really wants to hear this, and we're all gonna hear it. Yeah, it really goes on and on. The testimony, like I said, is mostly about White's unsavory sexual habits. Mm. Nothing is said about Thaw's unsavory beating of women. (laughs) Thaw's attorneys said that he had dementia Americana, which was invented for this trial. Dementia Americana. This is not currently a recognized psychiatric diagnosis, but you know, Are you sure? rich guy needed some reason to to justify shooting someone in the face. Here you go. It was said that it was a condition unique to American men <laughs> that give them that gives them the desire to kill, to avenge their wives. I I, I really <sighs> couldn't understand the defense. It's their excuse for why he killed Stanford White after finding out about this affair. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This whole trial was just to keep Thaw from the electric chair, and mm-hmm. they didn't want to. They his mother was adamant, no life in an insane asylum. They want mm-hmm. this temporary insanity. They want it That's, to be like I do remember reading something about that, and this might be part of dementia Americana. It's like this is a temporary situational right. insanity. We're gonna get him off by reason of insanity, but we don't want him to live his life like he's insane. He's he's insane just at that one moment. And then it turned off and went away and everything's better now. And now he's totally fine. It's really the most convenient kind of insanity for killers. Yeah, this this whole trial, I mean, it just is a circus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He eventually is actually found mm-hmm. not guilty by means of temporary insanity, which his lawyers must have been paid so much money. He does have to go away for a while, though, because there's just no way to... You have to go... There's there's no way he to... He shot someone in the face in front of 100 witnesses. got to do something. Yeah. Exactly. So he is sent away. Mm-hmm. He goes to Matawan, Matawan, Matawan. State yeah. Hospital Matawan. for a Criminally Insane. Oh, okay. And he's there for a while. Uh, he, he does escape. He just kind of walks out. <laughs> they put him back in, and then they release. Eventually, they do release him and say he's sane. Unbelievable. He is safe to walk among us in society. Yeah. It's... It, and meanwhile, uh, Evelyn gets her divorce, but Mother Thaw does not give... She doesn't see a penny of the money. What? She gets no money. Ugh. I mean, a million for such a wealthy guy for what she went through is is already pocket change, and she didn't even get that? That is unbelievable. It's insane. And really, this... The uh, hospital that he's in is, he gets almost complete freedom. He really has run at the place. I'm guessing if you're in a place like this and you're that wealthy, mm-hmm. you're going to have all your creature comforts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this, uh, was, this was, let me think, 10 years? I'm, I'm trying to remember how long he was in the institution. He, let's think, he didn't, he was released in 1915. Mm-hmm. And the, so, what? 1915 in the trial? And the, the, the trial was is in 1909. No, the the shooting is in 1906. Oh, 1906. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, 1906. And then between 1906 and 1908, mm-hmm. there are still trials going on. He's in prison for, you know, less than 10 years for shooting somebody in the face. Unbelievable. And he escapes at some point, so it's not like he's there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> to just end Harry Thaw, I don't want to talk about him anymore. He does get in trouble again later. He actually is accused of sexually assaulting and horsewhipping a high school boy <sighs> that uh, he brought, actually, from Kansas City to New York. Oh. Uh, he's indicted. He flees. But when they find him, they find him. He's got he's cut his own throat. But he's alive. They say he's insane. They send him to asylum. But then mm-hmm. seven years later, he's out again. <sighs> so he kind of spends the rest of his life pretty quiet like off on his own but really it's it's just unbelievable what he gets away with yeah yeah well you know the best justice money can buy right exactly (sighs) evelyn post-trial really she's kind of destroyed at this Mm -hmm. point Mm -hmm. 
And she, what's she, what is she, 21 or something at this point? 22? She's at, in 1906, yeah. Oh. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. She, she's 22, I guess, at the time of the murder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's very sad. She, um, and her life's almost over. She does some, she still does some vaudeville and mm-hmm. she's very popular during the trial and just post trial. But sure. then her fame dies quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Andy Warhol's 15 minutes of fame. 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. She does some movies. She moves to LA. She kind of never recovers. She tries to commit suicide several times. Mm. She, she does marry again, but it seems like it's a bad marriage. Mm-hmm. She's, she's an alcoholic. She becomes addicted to morphine. Mm. But I think later, it seems like later in life, she has a much, a much quieter life. She, I think mm-hmm. she comes to terms with everything. She takes up ceramics and starts teaching ceramics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, her grandson, Russell Thaw, says towards the end of her life, she lived a bohemian life and cared little what society thought. And he actually said he had no idea any of this had happened. Isn't that weird? I mean, I guess she you don't, like, just never wants to talk about, about it. it or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a horrible time. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's yeah, she she kind of comes off the worst. Well, ex- no, Stanford White comes off the worst, but Well, you mean like has the the worst situation to deal with? Or yeah, just the in the end, she's, she kind of yeah, ends Stanford up with White nothing. Stanford White wins for the worst situation to deal with, but yeah, this is a... They do a movie about her, and mm-hmm. she does the, uh, she has cr- some creative control where she's on set, and she, mm. you know, kind of says what is and isn't true, and mm-hmm. gets a, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the, be- the last thing Was I that really the have... the girl in the red velvet swing? Exactly. I kind of want to see it now. Yeah. I Do you want to watch it? Maybe. Maybe. Listeners, we will. I feel we have a responsibility to our listeners, actually. I think so, too. I think we, we will try to track it. it down. We will listen to it and we will report back in the next episode. So the best quote I really have about this entire trial is, you see, it had wealth, degeneracy, rich old masters, delectable young chorus girls, Mm-hmm. Adolescent artist models, the behind the scenes of theaterdom, the underworld, mm-hmm. and the great white way, abnormal pastimes and weird orgies of overly aesthetic artists and jaded debaucheresses. So it I had everything. It had everything. It had everything you want to know about in a trial. <laughs> and you have a beautiful young girl caught up in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And famous people who 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 made it happen. Yeah. Wow. Well, I thought when you said the best line, the best quote, something like that, I thought you were going to say, presumably later in his life, Harry K. Thaw saw a building by Burnham, looked at the building, looked it up and down and said, I shot the wrong architect. I have heard that before. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't think it's true. I think it's just a story. Or, you know, a number of other people have been like, oh, Thaw shot the wrong architect whenever they see a, see a building they dislike. But that, that, that became a thing, too. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, this is a, it's a really tragic story. It's, it's no one comes out good. It's very glamorous and exciting. And, and you know who comes out good in all this? The people who are reading the papers. The people who are selling the papers. Yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. Hearst made a mint on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a sad story. And I just can't imagine being her and having to deal 
with all that stuff. Like relationships are tough enough for us now with feminism and maturity and birth control. And, and for her, oh my God, to be 16 or 18 or even 22 and having to navigate all of this uh i don't know i hope I she had know. some good and friends or or maybe her mom was confidant or something you know but i don't know i, I don't think her mom is really the person to go to in all of this she kind yeah. of pushes the stanford wide affair to begin with and it's unbelievable so that is episode e evelyn nesbitt and the crime of the century we hope you learned something that you didn't know before uh, about this particular tragedy. Kate, thank you very, very much. Oh, no problems. I love this story ever since I saw Ragtime. Ah, yes, and it is in Ragtime. If anyone has read or uh, seen either the movie or the musical, there is a girl in a red velvet swing, and we even see Harry, Harry Thaw, right? It's all in there. Yeah, the whole crime is on there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, you can rent Ragtime if you like. I love and the musical. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for Letter F. Talk See to you later. For more ABC Gotham, go to our website, abcgotham.podbean.com. Special thanks to Podcasting's Brock. The music for ABC Gotham is by Big Rude Jake. ABC Gotham is a K2 production. Copyright 2012. All rights reserved. I wish you could be here with me on this night of New York City. I wish you could be here with me on this night of New York City.